and then, right out of nowhere, she grabbed me by the weenus in the middle of a car. <laughs> Oh, 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 fantastic. Oh, fantastic. Oh, I'm not even sure You're if it's the scientific term, but. Uh, uh, <laughs> welcome, one and all, man, welcome. Wom, um, alien, um, cave dweller, underground liver, sky weaver, basket <laughs> sitter, cake basket. sniffers. Basket sitter? <laughs> what the fuck's a basket sitter? Don't say someone who sits in or on baskets. Oh, they sit around them. That simple. They sit, sit around, around them. Yeah. How, do, you don't how want... does one sit around a basket? Well, you just sort of sit near it. You don't want to sit in a basket. Have you ever sat on wicker? It's not pleasant. <laughs> and speaking Why of not pleasant... Why such a thing, then? That's <laughs> true. And speaking Fuck of not, speaking of not pleasant folks, welcome to Big Damn Cast. Yes, uh, the well, most unpleasant pop culture show on the internet. Uh, we're here to talk about nerdy news, geeky culture bullshit, uh, and all else in between. Today's topics include the majesty of the Joker trailer, the new Todd Phillips movie. Matt's going to get balls deep on some Pet Cemetery spoilers, and we're that's going not, to... That's not code for bestiality, by the way. No, 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 no. Although, you are very close to your cats. And well, I'm not, I'm not one to judge. Not at the moment, they're hiding. I wonder why. <laughs> but we are ones to judge on Shazam, which we'll also be diving into. Uh, yeah, we will. A little brief non-spoilery thoughts and then deep dive into spoilers um, yes. for Shazam. I am Christopher Put'em Up, Put'em Up Johnson. I am Matthew Say My Name and Receive My Bar Watson. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh, that's the most erotic opening we've ever had, I think. Say my name. <laughs> Jesus Say what? my name. When no one is around. Um, actually, do you know what? I'm just going to put it out there now, ladies and gents. Okay. If, you, if you've not seen Pet Cemetery, Put it away, for God's sake. Don't listen beyond the Joker talk. Uh, unless you're not fussed about spoilers. If you've not seen Shazam, don't listen beyond the Joker talk unless you're not fussed about spoilers. See, We're just spoiling some stuff. We're talking about things. Why? Because we bloody well can. Here's the thing, you see. Um, if you've seen the trailers for Pet Cemetery, you've basically seen the film. Oh. If if you've seen the trailers for Shazam, there's a good half of the film that you haven't seen anything of. I'm so, so, I'm so delighted by how how restrained they have been. Oh yeah, it's it's fucking night and day between those two movies <clears throat> of how restrained the marketing's been. Sometimes minimal clips are better. Um, sometimes minimal clips are better. Sometimes, <laughs> God. Sometimes campier is better, but we'll get to that. Um, I am the wizard off. Shazam. Oh, I don't want to <laughs> be saying that word. Ah, um, <laughs> God. Ah, uh, uh, yep. Uh, Judd um, Judd 1.0 Judd Original Judd OG Judd oh, Judd. Classic Judd <laughs> Classic Kelvin Judd. Universe Judd <laughs> Kelvin, Kel- Kelvin Timeline Judd um, Oh god So <laughs> The trailer dropped for Todd Phillips' Joker movie which is out in October Yes it bloody Joaquin did Joaquin Phoenix as the nascent Joker Aye. His name, I can't, he's Arthur something, isn't it? Uh, Arthur um, Arthur Fleck. Arthur Fleck. Because a lot of people think um, that in itself is a bit of a, 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 a troll. Because, of course, what's his name abbreviated when you change his first name to a letter? Affleck. Yep. So... Affleck. Hmm. 
I, I don't mm. th- I don't th- I don't think it's a deliberate troll on that because that's just distracting and weird. But... It's a weird name though. I don't yeah. I don't think that's got any precedence in Joker comics history, has it? No, no. Um, I, I think um, the only I think the only regular name that's ever been attached to him outside of Joker as a pseudonym is yeah. um is is Jack. And that's, I think that was hinted at before the 89 film, because it was like the whole, you know, Jack in the, uh, you know, Joker in the deck, like, you know, that kind of, yeah. like Jack, Jack in a the play, box A playing card motif. Yeah, Jack's a very kind of common name within, like, clowning, playing cards, like, Punch and Judy-esque sort of, you know, vaudevillian promenade entertainment. Jack's just sort of, a, you know, atypical, old school entertainment name. The lead boy is Jack, like, all that kind of stuff. So, sort of fits the character a bit. Jack yeah. Napier then solidified it. And then comic sense have all suggested Jack is his is his name in some way. Yes. But if he's gonna change his name, I think Arthur suits him just fine. Arthur um, suits him just fine. It this movie looks weird. It does. But here's it going in, mini spoiler alert on our thoughts and feelings, boys and girls. I don't hate it. No, I, I don't hate I'm it. I think really it's really interesting. By it. Yeah. Yeah. Um uh, it's it's odd. It's an odd. Cho- mm. It's an odd choice, I think, to do a Joker movie without Batman. At least, as yeah. Far as you know. What, but what, um, what, it, what it appears to be is um, sort of a, a, a take on the flashbacks of the Killing Joke. Yeah, um, uh, turned into a story, and I think the Killing Joke is the Killing Joke is a book that absolutely broke ground, and Brian Boland's artwork is stunning. And a lot of the dialogue by Alan Moore in it is is wonderful, but it is a problematic story, um, especially as time's gone by and it's become more apparent how problematic it is in places, uh, specifically in in its use of Barbara Gordon, um, and you know sort of depictions of mental health in places. But yeah. at the same time, it, there's no denying it is a very well told piece of work. Um, uh, <laughs> however, I think the reason why it has lasted the test of time isn't necessarily the monologues or, or the style, but it is that p- potential backstory for him. It's that, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah. oh, this guy might actually have basically been forced into becoming this horrible force of nature by a circumstance. Like, what if he was actually a lovely person? And, I, think and, most, and yeah. I think most post-Batman stuff has... Um... Post post Batman, post Killing Joke <laughs> stuff has kind of taken that as gospel, or at least a version of it, or, or suggested. Because even in that story yeah. toward the end, he says sometimes I remember it one way, sometimes another, and we only ever see those flashbacks sort of through his inner monologue. So, yeah, it might be a complete bullshit story, but maybe he doesn't know anymore if that is the truth or if it's something else. And, and there's been other interpretations, like the old school comics suggested he was always um, a mobster because the Joker. The Joker has had an origin reveal in um, the, that story about the Batman teaching a, a lecture at a university about the Red Hood case to a bunch of students in the it was the forties issue, uh, and in yeah. that it's revealed the Joker was this this mobster, the Red Hood, and so he was always this nasty, you know, sort of what's it? And, and then the animated series and uh, the Burton movie used the idea of you know the mobster as his origin, or the animated series is vague on it on purpose. Um, yes. Because the part it of the only job comes ca- up in Phantasm, doesn't it? Uh, he's in a couple of episodes in series four as well. Someone notes. Okay. Uh, in, I remember more than someone notes uh, him in a photograph. Uh, and there's also a character that's suggested to be him at one point, who's who's not a mobster, who's sort of a like a, a, a comedian. 
but okay. they, they don't they don't dwell on it too much. It's more of a nod for the audience to be like, "Hey, that might be him." Um, yeah, yeah. But, but Paul Dini's always said that his interpretation of him for the animated series is he was always a mob enforcer. He was always a nasty piece of work, and the uh, the, the chemicals in- incident was the thing that made him go, "Screw it! I'm I'm just going to push this even further." So, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. which is which is you know that that to me is believable because it, it, he's very very much an agent of chaos, and it's like yeah, cool, why not? But there is something about the Killing Joke which is stood the test of time, which is the sympathetic angle of like maybe he was just a nice guy who, you know, through horrible circumstance lost his wife and child, and you know, well, is his future child and and became this thing other thing entirely um, on on one bad day. Uh, and and this film looks yeah. to be sort of taking that idea, although instead of it being the Joker uh, as a sort of a, a ex chemical plant worker who's now trying to make it big as a comedian with his his pregnant wife, it's based on the hints we're given in the trailer, um, a sort of kind of a mentally unstable um, sort of uh, older guy because you see they're, they're not hiding the fact that Joaquin's like in his forties. No, 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 no. So, well, so they're, going, really they're going for yeah, they're going for an older character. They're not, but he's he's very childlike and innocent. They're kind of playing on the idea that possibly you know he's he's uh, on the spectrum or something like that, but is a good natured person because you can see in his notes the you know the bit where he's scrolling away. Yeah, he's kind of making notes to himself about like you know I I know that I know that I'm okay. People don't think I am and things like that. And you, you know it's like oh god, he's he's got a problem with confidence. He's a he's a big mummy's boy. His mum like believes in him so much. He's looking after his mum by the look of it, taking yeah. care of her. Uh, they're very close, and um, he's just trying to be a nice person. But the world around him is getting less and less nice by the minute, and it starts to change him. So that's again, it's sort of this could be uncomfortable based on how they deal with the the mental health side of it. This could be yeah yeah this could, this could be bad, but it it also depends on the thematic. Um, flow of the film like if if they convince us that the world can do this to someone who is so innocent and nice who who just needs that bit of extra support but the world is not only refusing it it's pushing back against him could that lead to someone you know becoming a reflection of the world around him yeah which which is not really the story of a comic book supervillain so much as um, a commentary on American modern life and society, and how yeah. we treat our Although fellow this man. This is also a period piece. Yeah, set so. in the eighties, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, so who knows? Who or knows? Dare to dream. Yeah, it's a little early to tell, but it looks interesting. Yeah, that it's, much it, I can say. I think the way to approach it is like the Nolan Batman films. This isn't a superhero movie. It's it's a crime film. It's it's a it's yeah. a good fe- good fellasy you know kind of uh, what what's the what's the stand up co- stand up comedy one that De Niro was in oh King of Comedy King of Comedy is that kind of do you know what I mean yeah. it's it's got that vibe I mean right down to De Niro being a talk show host in this which makes me think that yes. in itself is a homage yeah there's a few visual nods Absolutely. in it like the bit where he's skipping down the stairs um, toward the end which mirrors him walking up them earlier on. The way he's skipping down the stairs, the way it's framed looks a little bit like that bit in, um, oh my god, is it, is it Ten Things I Hate About You or whatever, where, where Heath Ledger's dancing down the bleachers? Possibly. It's I sort of, it, it, I, I can't remember which scene it is, but it's just sort of, hang on, is that, a, is that deliberately a tiny visual nod to Ledger as an actor, not, not to his take on the character? I mean, there's no, definitely some, there's definitely, because <laughs> uh, right. there's no, definitely joke, there's definitely isn't. joke. <laughs> 
<laughs> swine. I mean, there's definitely Joker nods, like the costumes straight out of the 60s show. Like, Oh, yeah. yeah they've yeah. whacked an orange jacket in there, but it's, it's Romero, yeah. <laughs> so but what, what do you think? What do you... Because I, I, this is... This is DC's first um, break away from its shared universe, like complete break away from its shared universe and starting it. Yeah. Um, do you think this is going to confuse some audiences? I think audiences are already fucking confused. Yeah. So <laughs> don't worry about it. Because, I mean, they are, they are course correcting their main universe now to be more vague. Just forge ahead and uh, do what yeah. you got to do. Make good films. Don't worry about connecting them. Yeah. And if this is good, then, you know, maybe we can tie it into the Batman somehow. Maybe we don't bother. Maybe it just exists on its own as a Elseworlds tale. Yeah. Um, so whatever. Doesn't and if matter. they're not... People if are they're already not, confused. Yeah. Well, if it annoys people, they can watch the Gotham finale where it looks like uh, s- still without using his name, they have the Joker in it finally in the present day set stuff. Uh, so... I, you know, I, I feel bad for Cameron Monaghan. He's an amazing performer, and and uh, though I've not watched that show because I got five episodes into season one and went, "This is trash." Um, yeah, I've I've because it I've been trash. spoiler alert because I've been working on the second season of the Best Joker um, for my YouTube channel. I have been keeping abreast of him because I touched on him last series. He was steady on, mm-hmm. and he's not the Joker, mm-hmm. but with this reveal of presumably his Jeremiah character. Um, being this character in the present day, he he is the Joker. <laughs> like, he's the Joker. Freaking he's is. Jo- it looks like it looks like they've got Jack Nicholson today. Yeah, to do cosplay of his Batman eighty nine costume. That's what it looks like. It looks fucking horrendous. I mean, weirdly, I don't hate it because it's. You know what? If they're going to do it, at least they're doing more than Smallville ever did and just having him take his shirt off at the end of the series. In this, they're doing in this they're doing a whole episode set in the present day timeline to show you what became of everyone. Which so, I almost guarantee is going to lead to everyone saying, why didn't we get that series in the first place? Yeah. Oh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which is what everyone actually wanted. But no, instead we're getting pennyworth another prequel this time about alfred but not the same alfred it's a different alfred gosh (laughs) do you you remember do you remember when gotham first entered pre-production about seven years ago and was going to be just an adaptation of gcpd yeah which would have been wonderful like a police procedural setting set in gotham city during the time of batman that would have been amazing but no they made it a prequel and then they did krypton yeah, of and now they're doing Pennyworth. You know, like, Superman story. What's his granddad up to? It's like, how can we cash in on these um, on these IPs without actually having to engage with any of the things that people are familiar with about them? It seems that a lot of it, though, is in down to Warner Brothers' way. restriction. Yeah, Warner Brothers just don't allow them to use certain things on the TV. That it, yeah. it, it took a lot of convincing for Balanti to get permission to have Superman pop up in Supergirl. Yeah, and, and and they had to kind of uh, Warner Brothers caveat was you have to make it very clear that this Superman is part of the Supergirl separate continuity from everyone else in this other universe. And it's like, okay, right, sure. So we can't we can't hint that there's a Superman in the main, you know, CWDC world. Uh, no, but oh, okay, because for some reason the, 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 the big names, the big villains and the big heroes, they're really restrictive on their use on television. Even though you yeah. could very easily do a Batman story 
in um, Flash, like just do a Flash two-parter where Batman's in it. Like you could do that so oh, yeah. easy, and it would be amazing well, for people to tune in. It got to the point where they just made Arrow Batman. <clears throat> yeah, basically. I mean, r- right down to adapting um, the Rachel Ghoul stuff. Yeah, with Rachel Ghoul and Talia Al Ghoul. It's just like, oh, for God's sake. Um, I mean, uh, Supergirl's now finally got a Lex. Like Lex Luthor is in Supergirl now. Yes, yeah. So you know they're they're they're, they're getting closer, but yeah. And and we've we've got another Joker on the way because um, well, hang on, we've had another one. He he's seen in Titans in some um, montage scenes. Oh, I've still uh, not watched that yet, but I yeah, give it a go. Yeah, no, no, no spoilers there. It's literally you know in that one trailer where you sort of briefly see a flash of green as he gets like punched into a wing mirror. That's basically it. But, yeah, you know it's it's it. So he's in that. He exists in that continuity, and also Birds of Prey filming uh, photos leaked from filming last week with a Harley Quinn being kicked out of an idyllic like looking house in a neighborhood, and the Joker upstairs throwing her stuff out of a window. Yeah. Um, it is the Jared Leto Joker. Sure. It's it's not Jared Leto because he's in Manchester at the minute filming Morbius. But yeah, it, it's the Jared Leto Joker. So they've whether or not they're going to get his they're close on him later, or they've already got it, or yeah. whether or not the character's just sort of going to be out of focus at the top, yelling and screaming. Don't know, but because I, you know, I think DC have gotten a bit more confident about doing things like that to tie things together. <clears throat> shall we say? Um, yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. <laughs> But anyway, enough of that dead horse. Enough Matt, of this dead horse. Would you like to tell us about dead cats? I'd love to. Um, so, <laughs> it's the weirdest segue ever. As well as the big movie this week, Shazam, which we're going to talk about in great detail. Oh, good lord, yes. In great detail. Um, we we also have Pet Cemetery this week, which is a new adaptation of Stephen King's seminal. 1984 horror novel, which was previously ad- adapted by Mary- by director Mary Lambert in 1989 with Dale Midkiff and Denise Crosbett and Fred Gwynn. Um, that movie's fucking great. <laughs> like it's, it's kind of campy and a bit shocky, but in a in a really cool way. Um, and Fred Gwynn is just superb in it. Um, but they decided to do another version and they've updated it to modern day, and it's. More, more or less the same story of uh, the Creed family who relocate to Ludlow, Maine from Boston to... Wait, hang on, hang on, of... hang on, hang on. They relocate to Maine? Maine. No one's ever lived in Maine no one... in a Stephen King story. Maine. <laughs> Stephen King, he's the Maine guy. Oh! <laughs> um... <laughs> But yes, um, Lewis Creed, uh, played in this version by Jason Clark, is um, is going to take up the the doctor resident doctor role at the local university campus, um, and his wife and two children are going to sort of build this idyllic little life in the in the in the country. But unfortunately, they're next to a very very busy road, and they also discover that there's a pet cemetery on their property, which is misspelled wonderfully and is a the burying place for all the local uh, children's pets and stuff when they die including the long long dead pet of their ancient neighbor Jud Crandall played here by John Lithgow um who sort of lets Lewis in on a bit of the local folklore and when 
Um, his daughter, Lewis's daughter, Ellie's beloved cat, Church, is killed in a road accident. Rather than break Ellie's heart, Judd convinces Lewis to bury the uh, cat, not in the pet cemetery, but in a secret place further beyond, deeper in the woods, um, an old Indian burial ground which has been corrupted by spirits because it brings Church back, but he's not quite right. And then other things ensue. Um, before I get into some spoilers... <laughs> ensue. Ensue. Other things happen. Plot <laughs> happens. Um, before I get into some spoilers, you will know if you've seen any of the trailers and are vaguely familiar with the story that they've made some big changes with certain characters. Um... Yeah, I, you were slightly apprehensive. I, I sensed at first when you were discussing that yeah. in in your spoiler free review video up on the Big Damn yes. Channel. Um, um, it's yeah. not a bad thing, and the the changes they've made to the story in general are not a bad thing. It's a very like as I say in that spoiler free review, it's a very lean adaptation. Hmm. Um, it just it cuts so much, and it's only an hour and forty minutes. Which oh wow! A, you know, a a six hundred odd page Stephen King novel is a that's a quick runtime um and it but a, feels a really it, good a really good length for a modern horror film though it i actually and i don't often say this about movies in general i thought mm. it was a little too short oh because i think even particularly at the beginning it, it's very it feels sort of rushed in a way like you go from scene to scene to scene to scene to scene to scene to scene and nothing really lands nothing really has time to set up and the relationships particularly with the relationship between the creeds and judd just don't quite solidify i don't think um so a lot of it doesn't it doesn't quite feel earned um until do you think think that's a result of um the edit or or these with these does it feel like these were the choices made i don't know i feel like it might be a bit of both i think they did they clearly pared down the story for the screenplay Mm -hmm. but i feel that there might also be a good 20 minutes of this film on the cutting room floor but because some of the some of the scenes end so seemingly abruptly that I'm like, oh, that's that's weird, and some of the dialogue is so sparse. I'm like, oh, okay. But it's what is effective about the film is that because it is so lean, it cuts right to the heart of the matter very quickly. Aye. And instead of instead of it building up to something that you know is coming if you're at all familiar with Pet Cemetery, which a lot of people are through cultural osmosis, whether they've read the book, seen the film or not, um, it then takes the idea, to, puts its own particular spin on it, and then runs with it. So that's interesting. And it is very creepy and has some really effective, creepy, um, creepy moments, some, some great scares, some wonderful tension uh everyone in it is great uh great performances from jason clark and amy Smetz uh, as his wife great performance from john lithgow because it's john fucking lithgow what do you expect um <laughs> jete lawrence who is ella is absolutely incredible she is so good um, i don't know how old she is in reality but she's playing a nine-year-old and she doesn't look <laughs> that old so um i'm gonna say she's probably around nine irl um and she's fabulous in this. She's absolutely fabulous. Um, you will have had most of the big plot changes spoiled for you if you've seen the trailers. Um, and that, I feel like that it kind of suffers from that because as we'll get, as I'll mention when we get into spoilers in a sec, it the film almost feet. 
it seems like it's not expecting you to already know what's going to happen. But then in some ways it is. So it's a bit of a weird one. But I'll get I'll get into detail in that in a sec. But yeah, I like Pet Cemetery. I like it a lot. I think it's effective. It's um, creepy. It's got this whole sort of blue dreamy haze over the whole thing. Which makes it look kind of dreamlike. And it's got a sort of a weird... I mean, dreams are a, a recurring thing in it. Mm-hmm. So it, but it's got a nice kind of dream logic to it um, in some of its transitions as well, uh, some of its edits where it's not some of them are actual dreams and then some of them just look like dreams so it, it fits it tonally um, and it's, you know, it's a pretty gnarly movie it's a nasty little thing not in a mean-spirited way but just in a, a twist a knife emotional sort of way um which its leanness sort of uh, helps with it's a it's lean and it's mean um and i like it a lot uh, i don't know if i prefer it to the original but they're very very different movies um but yeah i'm gonna talk a bit of spoilers now so if you do want to remain unspoiled for pet cemetery stop listening and skip ahead to shazam or Skip the rest of the podcast completely if you don't want to get spoiled about Shazam. You, you're walking into a minefield right now. Um, <laughs> go and see films, guys. Go and watch films. Go and see Shazam and Pet Cemetery. Go see Shazam. Maybe go see Pet Cemetery. Um, so <laughs> there's Matt's review. <laughs> go see Shazam. Maybe go see Pet Cemetery. Um, big change in Pet Cemetery that they've made. <clears throat> As you will know from the trailers and the fucking poster and every bit of marketing related to this film is instead of uh, in the original novel and the film, it's their it's the Creed's infant son Gage who is killed in a road accident and is reburied in the in the burial ground by um, Lewis to come back wrong. In this version, it's Ellie. And oh, okay, that is a bit of a shift. <clears throat> so it's the older it's the older kid. Um, and of course it comes with the requisite switch that in the book Ellie is sort of uh, implied to be slightly psychic or some kind of medium or something because she can see the ghost of uh, a patient her dad failed to save who is trying to warn the family that uh, that something bad is going to happen yeah Um, and she has like sort of a sense of feeling and bad dreams that something bad's going to happen to her dad and and stuff. Mm-hmm. They switch that to Gage in this version, obviously, because they're switching Ellie to be the the, the kid who gets killed. Yeah, but, I mean that. It, okay, does he but, does he um, have that ability as well? Not really. So they sort of trim that out. Even he's like he's like two. He does oh, have that course, ability, yeah, but yeah. the way he expresses it is very different because he's two in this yeah he's not like a nine-year-old saying um, dad i keep seeing someone it's a two-year-old going there what there i yeah. don't know what you're talking about son but, like that it, kind of thing but it, it you know it, it it does work in that when he he says the name of the of the guy of the kid who dies um which is how his mom is how rachel his mom realizes that that he's that <clears> something's gonna something bad is gonna happen and that gage is ellie in the original gage in the in the remake is seeing something otherworldly or has some sort of other sense. Yeah. Um, but it works better in this because he's two, so he mangles the name in a way that a nine-year-old might not. Okay. Where Pascal becomes Paxcow. Which okay. is a bit more believable for a two-year-old than it is for a nine-year-old. And so, so it works like that, kind of. And you get these nice 
there's a couple of these nice moments where because the what happens is there's a kid who dies in a road accident just after Lewis starts at the campus surgery, um, and he brings him in and this kid is like completely fucked up, like his his head's been cracked open, and you can fucking see his brain and he's bleeding out all down one side of his body, and yeah. he dies on the table. Um, amazing makeup effects in this, by the way, for, especially for that moment. He dies on the table. And Lewis can't help him, but after he dies, he then comes back and warns Lewis by name that something bad's going to happen. Mm-hmm. But Lewis just thinks it's a hallucination, like a stress-induced hallucination. But then Pascal keeps turning up in Lewis's dreams and then later Ellie's dreams on this version Gage. Um, so you've got moments like Gage has done a drawing of a stick figure with all this red coming out of the top of his head. Um... And he's and he asks Ellie what 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 she's drawn, but Ellie says, "Oh no, Gage drew that." And then you get get these little moments where Gage is saying he can see something. His mum can't see anything, but then it cuts to Gage's POV, or it does a cut, and it's obvious that you know from Gage's point of view, and you can see the ghost of Pascal there with his head split open and blood all down his face. Um, so there's some ri- nice grizzly stuff there. So he's a terrifying looking character, but he's actually. Um, sympathetic and, and trying to be trying to help yeah um and then you've got so that's that's all switched to gauge instead of being from melee so that's a lot of the a lot of the stuff a lot of the 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 character a lot of the the wider um feel of the narrative from the book and the original film is, is just cut completely like there's a whole subplot with Lewis and Rachel's parents, they can't stand each other. Um, Rachel's parents think Lewis is a bum. Um, uh, Lewis thinks that Rachel's dad particularly is a, a conceited prick who is too concerned with his money. Um, all of that's gone. Oh. Rachel's parents are in this film very briefly for Ellie's birthday party and her funeral, but non- neither of them have a line. Okay, so they're very Neither much a ca- they're very a much a casualty line. of the adaptation then. Like, yeah, you guys absolutely. Are and none of that tension <laughs> is um, is really addressed. Um, they actually big up the Zelda stuff. So in Zelda, um, Rachel has a sister called Zelda who died of spinal meningitis, and she was terrified of her because um, Zelda was very like twisted and, and cruel and bitter towards the end as in her mind as well as she was in her body and Rachel feels responsible for her death because she was left alone with Zelda to look after her when she was like <laughs> eight or something um, and they change the manner of the death slightly so that Rachel feels a bit more responsible although it's mm-hmm. um, and, and they really hit the visuals on it and the makeup job they do for it is again spectacular but and they use that as more of a um, and more of a vector to get into for whatever power is in the, the burial ground to get into Rachel's head um, they address the Wendigo as by name more in this but you still don't really see anything so the Wendigo is implied to be the spirit that has corrupted the burial ground and is what brings people back wrong um, one of the the actual accident in which Ellie is killed is incredibly effective yeah, the way that it's shot and state and staged, and the way that it's the the just the performances is just hugely affecting. But what they do with it is they try they they recreate that moment where Gage is running towards the road and Lewis runs after him to stop him, and Lewis catches him. So yeah. for a moment, if you didn't already know that 
that they changed it to Ellie, you might have thought it was going to be Gage. Although they've the way they've, they've um, retooled the script, they put so much more emphasis on the relationship between Ellie and her father and Ellie and Judd in that Judd is introduced to the family through meeting Ellie first, then the family, rather than befriending Lewis first and then spreading out to the rest of the family. Um, it kind of makes it obvious that it's going to be Ellie because you don't have that sort of connection to Gage yet. Yeah. Um, so what you're saying and... is they, they constantly book tease you. Yeah, kind of. Um, and... Book baiting. Yeah. And but the the way that it, the way that it sh- and she's she's lured into the road by church the newly resurrected church who Lewis has tried to like get rid of and abandon mm-hmm. but has made his way back and it's a birthday party obviously so she's lured into the road by church and um, the truck it swerves to miss Lewis and Gage as Lewis grabs Gage yeah but then the but then the the tanker comes unhooked from the cab oh. as, the, as, as the as the as the truck capsizes and you just the tanker smacks into Ellie. And you don't see anything apart. Well, you see Lewis come round the, the the side of the wreckage, and you see his wife. You see Rachel in tears, and then you just see this little body in the in the bushes in the side of the road. Oh god! And then as it as it as it pans out, as it pulls out into into an aerial shot, you just see this this stark white tanker, and this just this huge splash of blood on the ladder on it on the front of it. Ooh. So the implication being where it's just smacked it. So it's really you don't you know they don't really in, go into like look at this massacred child. They just the way they actually shoot is actually more effective, um, and quite it that hit me a bit. I think um, in a way that it doesn't in the original. Um, no, the original is also pretty effective. And there's you know like there's things like the funerals are a bit more perfunctory because in the in the original there's a scrap between um, Lewis and um, his stepfather. Uh, father-in-law, I should say, um, who uh, that that sort of it brings their attention to a head. Um, so that's all gone. Um, it's very quick. The 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 decision for Lewis to dig up um, Ellie and rebury her is much quicker. Um, there's not sort of any discussion about the the last time somebody buried a person there. Like there's a whole flashback sequence in the original movie and in the book, but that doesn't really come up. Like the name of that person comes up when Lewis is doing some research on the land that he owns, which includes the burial ground, but it never it's never really addressed, so it's never really foreshadowed what how exactly Ellie's gonna come back. But when she does come back, she's incredibly creepy. <laughs> um that like the kid actor like Jetty Lawrence is just fantastic. Um she there's a wonderful scene you see some of it in the trailer where he's he's she's come back and he's bathing her and he's brushing her hair in the bath and he and it keeps getting snag snaggled oh and, in, and then he pulls like a staple out of her hair and then he just parts her hair so he can see and you can just see the the back of her head where she's been stapled back up after being um, oh god <laughs> after being prepared for burial oh god but also she's got the way that they bring her back she's got a slightly lopsided face so what like her oh, oh, her right okay. her right eye is like constantly looking upwards oh so this nice liberties like taken with sort of how this looks then and it yeah oh. it's really cool it's a, and, and and like i say the what what is the, what they do a better job of in, in in this is they um they let the wendigo or whatever spirit is inhabiting ellie speak through ellie more Okay. And he's even a and he's an even a, de- a degree of a shape shifting to sort of appear as people's what people fear because it's the 
it's whatever the spirit is using Ellie as a vessel. What they do with the ending is really interesting. So you get her, you get, um, you get Ellie killing Judd, you get Ellie killing Rachel. But Rachel comes back into the picture earlier, and and her and um, Lewis sort of argue over whether she's really Ellie because Lewis, Lewis is broken at this point, like his mind's just gone. And they don't do as good a job of of charting that journey as they do in the original, um, where he just sort of devolves into a babbling wreck. But, um, so <laughs> Lewis, um, is convinced that no, this is Ellie. She's back. We get another chance with her. And and Rachel is just horrified by her daughter. So Ellie's like, "Well, I guess Mum has to go then." Oh, so eventually, so there's a, there's all that's like the this is like the climax. Of the last twenty five minutes of the film is this whole sort of run around Ellie hunting down and cornering and eventually killing her mother. And what happens in the original is that the re reanimated Ellie stays with Rachel's parents because um, Lewis sends Rachel and Gage uh, well Ellie book away to her parents while he so he can sort of dig up gage and resurrect him in secret and the same thing happens here but obviously it's rachel and gage but they come back sooner and she comes back with gage mm-hmm. as opposed to leaving him leaving him at her parents like she does with so you've also got this two-year-old who is imperiled by the reanimated la as well as his as well as her mum. um and so yeah it's, it's that sort of confrontation and then everything going wrong she you see her kill judd um and they do the same sort of thing that they do in the original where she slices his um, achilles tendon with a scalpel that she takes from her dad's medical bag um oh. but they te- they tease it because in the original it's from it's from under a bed in his bedroom yeah in this they did like they have him go upstairs and like kick the bed aside it's, and they even have the shot of his bare ankle like for, from underneath the bed so you're expecting it. Yeah, they're book, book they, teasing, man. Book teasing. Yeah, and then they subvert it. So they're very clever about that. Um and then Yeah, they they but they actually do it when he's when he's down the stairs after they fake out with Oh, the noises were church all along. Um <laughs> But a Judd, Judd's a bit colder in this. He's a bit more spiky than he is. Um, yeah, I remember I remember when we saw the first or possibly the second trailer, you saying, um, because like, I think it, I think unanimously we both love John Lithgow, um, but you were like, oh, he seems a bit sort of I don't know, quiet. Like there's no sort of excess eccentricity to it, which was probably more just something that is associated with the the movie adaptation in the first place. Anyway, yeah. the character's a very warm character, isn't he? Yes. So yeah, in the in the book in the original, there's sort of a almost paternal relationship between Judd and Lewis. Yeah. And and then um, uh, the original film sort of depicts that relatively well, and and it is a bit goofy down to the delivery. But like he he's yeah. uh, you know I mean that's hence why <laughs> hence, I mean Fred hence why you Fred, you and Keeks regularly do impressions yeah. of Judd at but, me you know, and terrify me with them. Fred Gwynn is this sort of like <laughs> avuncular and warm figure, which is why and larger than life as well in in both physically and in personality, which is why. Mary Lambert wanted him for the original Pet Cemetery yeah. because he is that sort of 
um, within slightly with, slightly kooky neighbor. Within two minutes of spending time with him, you're like, oh, he's lovely, like yeah. that kind of vibe. But he's, yeah. but he's also sort of like slightly odd, but in a in a nice way. Yeah. Um, whereas John Lithgow is just a bit spikier. He's and in 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 the book they cut this from the original film, but in the book his wife he's still living with his wife and she's ancient and she dies during the course of the book which is one of ellie's first experiences with death yeah like ellie doesn't really have any experience with death in this to sort of foreshadow um what happens to gage her, what happens to gage yeah whereas she does in the original um she kind of gets introduced to it through the pet cemetery when she stumbles on it but in a sort of very superficial way but she's also quite smart for a nine-year-old so i'm not i don't know i don't know um so yeah, so Judd's a bit colder in this, um, but in this he's all he's already a widower, so his wife's already passed away before the events of the film. Okay, so he's a bit colder from that respect, I think. Anyway, but yeah, kills she kills Judd, um, and then she goes back, kills her mum, knocks her dad out, and then she drags uh, her mum through to the pet cemetery to rebury her. So she's gonna bury him and bring her back. Lewis goes after her, fights down Ellie, and just when it looks like Ellie's gonna um uh like Lewis is gonna kill Ellie again the reanimated Rachel comes up behind and kills him okay um and then they rebury um Lewis in the burial ground and he comes back and then the final moments of the film is they after having burnt down um Judd's house to get rid of Judd's body and all that stuff and get rid of any evidence. It's them returning to the car in which Lewis had locked Gage for safety and Lewis coming round to it and unlocking it. And that's the end of the film. Oh, okay. Whereas in the original book and the original film end with um, after Gage kills, after reanimated Gage kills Rachel, Lewis finally kills the reanimated Gage again. And, but he's so broken at this point that he's convinced that the reason Gage came back wrong is because he waited too long. So he immediately takes Rachel's body to the to the burial ground, mm-hmm. reburies her, and he's waiting at home for her, and then she returns. And it's implied um, less heavily in the book, more heavily in the film, because she fucking straight up picks up a knife. Yeah. The, the, the reanimated Rachel then kills him. Um, so it's an interesting ending, but it also doesn't sort of have a... I understand that the original ending is ambiguous anyway, but the new ending is sort of doesn't have a, it doesn't quite have that button to it. Yeah, I see what they're going for, but it doesn't quite have that. Oh, irony thing going on. Yeah, it's we, just... we want it. We want to spook everybody, but we don't want to do the yeah. same spook that they already did before. So let's do a different spook. But it's like, yeah, kind the, of. The reason the original is so everlasting is because it's like the perfect note to end on. Yeah, and this just doesn't quite feel as earned. But that being said. It's an entertaining ride, and the changes they've made are interesting, if not necessarily always successful. Mm-hmm. But like I say, I could have done with it being another twenty minutes longer, just so those real relationships could be fleshed out, especially the relationship with Judd. Like he's, he just feels a bit distant in comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, would you would you then recommend folks who want to check this out maybe pick up like both films, for example? So I mean, I recommend of... people watch the original anyway because it's a fucking classic. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I would. This definitely not a replacement for the original. Yeah. Um, it, it's more. It's more a, both... an alternate take. 
they're both very different adaptations, but I think the original captures the spirit of the book better, mm-hmm. whereas the new one is just more concerned with taking the concept and putting its own twist on it. Which is not inherently a bad thing, but I think it loses some of the theme yeah. of, um, of the original book. Uh, but I, it, as a horror movie in its own right, I think it's I think it's pretty good. Holy shizzle! So you would you would bury it uh, in an ancient Indian burial I would, ground? I would. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes dead is better, but you can bring things back. Okay, Aww. it's not quite right, but it's okay. <laughs> it's a little bit wrong. Don't want to go down that road. I don't want to go down that road. Oh, not in that road. <laughs> well, oh. from one story of uh, children in peril to another. <laughs> I help. What a great segue. Um, let's keep it brief on the spoiler-free section because I want to tuck right into this. Uh, also, what, what, there's not a great deal you can say about Shazam without spoiling it if you want to get into like the back half of the movie. <laughs> That's very true. But for those who have come in, um, having listened to the Pet Cemetery bit, uh, fussed about spoilers or nay and want to just hear uh, our spoiler free thoughts on Shazam again we stress don't spoil it for yourself if possible um, but yeah let's uh, let's let's give some sort of roundups uh, this is the best DCEU movie for me hands down yes yeah no yes it is hands absolutely. down I love Wonder Woman I love its sense of innocence and its sense of um, uh, uh, sort of char- the charm that Wonder Woman has but um, it does kind of set itself up for a fall with a third act that's very predictable. Um, yeah. Which, you know, it handles very well, but it's still a bit like, oh, CGI fight, okay. Uh, this, was a fil- this was a film about the concept of, like, whether or not there is such thing as a villain that we need to face, or whether or not, it, you know, la la la, blah, 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 blah. Um, however, uh, however, this is a little more black and white in that sense, but it deals with more complex stuff along the way. Um. It just has a really freaking banging third act. Oh yeah, it it's <laughs> a third act that is it... not hinted at anywhere in the marketing beyond like two no. shots. No, in the whole thing. I what is really smart about this movie is it delivers what you think you want from a superhero movie and what you actually want, but might not know you want from a superhero movie. Um, it's David F. Sandberg is the director who's previously known for horror stuff, mm-hmm. and he brings just enough of that um, that sensibility that, to this to make it that, kind of perilous it, for children. It reeks of enjoyable. like it reeks of like Return to Oz, Goonies, Ghostbusters. Yeah. It has that kind of oh, this is like, creepier than it should be kind of vibe. It was, it was Raiders of the Lost Ark for me, like that. Oh, level okay, of yeah, of, yeah, of peril and and sort of violence. Yeah. Oh, but uh, it's a much more um, violent movie than I was expecting, yeah. and not but in a not still... in a hey, this is violent. It's oh yeah. my god, oh that happened. Ah. Like, oh. But in enough that it's gonna it's gonna shock children, but not scare them. I think. Yeah, I mean, th- um, there are there are seven characters that I think could frighten younger viewers for sure. Oh yes, and I they're absolutely designed to do so. But mm. I think in that sort of eighties action adventure way of like mid eighties period Spielberg. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that a, kind of thing. It's that. It's that sort of up. tone that they're aiming at, which I think is really smart because they, as well as that that dancing that fine line between um 
being too much and, and not enough for, to, to, to get the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, it also has that family element in it, which is done just superbly. Because as you will know from the trailers, uh, Billy Batson is a is a serial runaway foster kid. Yeah, who is, serial runaway. Who at, the st- who at the start of this movie he is introduced to a new foster home where he meets Freddie, uh, played by uh, the kid whose name I can't remember. Uh, Jack Dylan Grazer. Jack Dylan Grazer, who is young Eddie in It. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's great in this. Just mm. fucking great in this. Um, but yeah, it's... What's, what's the name of the guy who plays Billy? Is it, it's like Angel so Archer, something like that. I, there's so many great kid actors in this, in the, this the, film, those, but I can't remember any of the names. Those two, I would happily watch a whole movie of those two. Yeah, they, they, he's great. But then they add that beautiful cherry on top of of um, the dual role with Zachary Levi. Asher Angel. Asher Angel, that's it. Um, um, but yeah, it feel, I, I, I would be interested to know how much of um, Jack. Asher Angel's Billy, uh, Zachary Levi, then used to as Shazam, because they feel like the same person. Oh, they absolutely feel like the same character. Yeah. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if, like, Asher was around for a lot of Zachary Levi's stuff shooting. Or if they spent a lot of time together outside of shooting to sort of get that feel. Yeah, because um, there's a definite, um, yeah, definitely uh, a m- very consciously maintained and and believable uh, through line in the performance of of like the voice is different, the body's different, but that is the same character. Like that is yeah. that is Billy. Yeah, um, absolutely, and it works so well. Uh, it, I love the fact that it uses the new Fifty Two set up for Billy Batson. Like the, the yes. exact same foster home, right down to it being the exact same brothers and sisters, and yeah, and and, and it works well. I mean, that, that the, here's where here's where Jeff Johns' input works really bloody well, yeah, because he he wrote that absolutely, and is is again credited as like you know being one. I think he's one of the producers on this one, so he's 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 yeah. been there because he's no longer in that sort of Kevin Feige esque position, as he they've decided not to do that anymore. But he, no, he's no. part of the creative process of the last two films. Especially, well, Jeff Jeff Johns has been sort of the driving creating force behind DC in general for well, years now, over yeah. a decade at this point. Like going back, like even going back to like his sort of reinvigoration of of Green Lantern and bringing Hal Jordan back, which sort of kicked off a lot of the modern age of of DC. Yeah. Um. So Jeff Johns has been a very in the same way that Bendis was for Marvel. Yeah. From around two thousand and five onwards. It was. He's definitely been a driving force for the the versions of the characters and world that uh, have become um, popularized. Yeah. Um, for better or worse, um, it seems like they've taken some of the wrong lessons from <laughs> his interpretations <laughs> of Superman and Batman. But hey, that's Warner Brothers for you. Da, 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 um, da, da, da. But that's kind of part hey. part of why this works is that th- this doesn't shun or ignore the rest of the DCEU it definitely acknowledges its existence um, but it's it's its own thing the same way Aquaman there is one sentence in it that alludes to an ongoing continuity uh, and, yeah. and as a yeah. result it becomes its own beast this very much is it, it, it's it's like a you know IRL <laughs> you know it's, hey. it's, it, it's oh this kid's obsessed with superheroes yep we see that all the time it just so happens yeah. in this universe they they exist, but you know it's about the people who admire them, you know the kids who admire them, and the kid who sort of 
starts to take off because that's the thing with the whole Shazam transference of power thing the wizard of Sh- the wizard Shazam transferring his powers to Billy Batson like Billy Batson becomes what is needed now as that that force yeah, um, yeah, yeah. and of course he looks like a superhero but the costume detailing oh my god like the, the boots oh, and the such a cool the, costume the, uh, oh, I can't remember the name of that what's, what's the bloody tiger from the comics Oh, I can't remember, but yeah, they keep they keep bringing the tiger up. Yeah, and he's but it's on his buckles as well, the cape buckle. Oh, there's, a, there's a tiger head sculpted into each of them. So there's the the costume itself even is like this lovely tapestry of of nods, um, whilst at the same time just being a, a on purpose kind of generic superhero costume, because of course it is because it's what a fourteen year old kid would imagine. Um, so the, yeah. de- the the devil's in the details with that one, but on the surface it is just big red puffy suit <laughs> with chest thing and cape. Because um, <laughs> it is a ver- it's a very simple. It's probably the simplest, uh, you know, Captain Marvel Shazam costume since like the first one. Because they've always sort of gone for a crossover sash or a hood or other things since then. But this one's like real straightforward. This is basically a Superman costume. Yeah, yeah. Which makes sense in the film completely. Why that would be the case. Yes. Um, um, Talky Tawny is the name of the tiger. Talky Tawny. He's an anthropomorphic tiger. <laughs> of course he is. Who turns into a big tiger, a bigger tiger that's more feral. I think so, yeah. Which is really he's, stupid. Because um, it's like, you're already a tiger. <laughs> yeah, he's just a tiger dude. I would feel more he's threatened just a dude, if a, ti- he's a tiger. I would feel more threatened if a tiger with a monocle and a suit attacked me than an actual tiger. I'd be like, what the hell's going on? What is yeah. happening? <laughs> like, why have Shere Khan when you can have Shere Khan from Tailspin? Um, quite. <laughs> so there's that um uh so the basic plot again without spoilers is is wizard imparts his powers onto this young boy who's pure of heart uh grants him the strength of hercules and the might of zeus and, and all, all that good stuff which gets a full-on um shout out in the movie which i was delighted yep. with oh yeah um and uh he he does what any 14 year old kid who's suddenly an adult would do which is try to buy beer uh, <laughs> which yeah, is wonderful absolutely like, for the first hour this movie Makes is sense. just big with sparkle fingers and and owns it and, and enjoys it and it, it's oh yeah it's perfect because a kid wouldn't immediately start going oh my god i'm a superhero now it'd be like oh my god i'm a superhero that's cool does anyone want to take a selfie with me yeah. like you know does anyone know what a superhero does nope okay let's do youtube videos testing out my powers like and and upload them with a multitude of nicknames because at no point in the film does he get a name Nope. Which I love. My favourite was uh, the YouTube videos. A bunch of them were, were called him Zapped in America, which I yeah, thought was Yeah, I like that one very, very much. Loved that. Um, so yeah, it, it, uh, and suddenly Billy's got a lot of growing up to do when an actual villain rocks up um, with a connection to Shazam and the powers. It's Mark Strong being <laughs> uh, Grant Morrison. But Mark Strong. Um, God, yeah. He's, he's, in, yeah. he's in Grant Morrison cosplay for this. He is. I did like the take on Savannah. I thought it was very cool. Yeah, because um, it is based on on one of the modern storylines, isn't it? They've done something it's, like that with Savannah recently. It's based on the, the the Jeff Johns New Fifty Two DC Rebirth era stuff, it's like Mad Scientist dabbling with magic. Yeah, yeah. And the the family, the Foster family, was originally introduced in Flashpoint because it's the Flashpoint universe version of of um, Billy Batson and his family. Yeah. Um, um, to so much more is to spoil, but. Yes. This film is funny as hell. Yes. Um, the a- it is. The action is w- sort of that wonderful mix of big flashy superhero and like brutal stuff. 
Even the washing machine in the background is getting excited about it. It is. is. It's loving it. It's, I can <clears> see <throat> its face. Um, <laughs> right. I can see. It, I case, can see its face, and it, it, it's like a magic eight ball. Um, we need to talk spoilers then, so we can really get our teeth into it. I we think. do, guys. If you've not seen Shazam, go and see Shazam. It's the best DCEU movie, hands down. It is really, really good. It's a great time. One, wonderful, bold new direction for the whole thing. At the same time, not taking a dump on the stuff before. So if you love the output so far, it validates and and gives it a high five and takes a bow to it. But it it sets out in a direction that I think will be much more palatable and and give much more longevity to the DCEU as a whole. So, There's so much fun to be had here, so go and have it. I'm delighted that we're at the point now where there are three DCEU movies that I've enjoyed, two yeah. of, two of which I think are really good. It's it's nice to have have like a, an almost growing even amount now. Like four for three, yeah. four for three. Let's come on, let's get one more good one. <laughs> and you know the the two of them that I've arguably enjoyed the most are also the silliest in Aquaman <laughs> and Shazam. <laughs> But Shazam holds it together. Better. Yeah, yeah. I think Shazam's where Aquaman had a dire script, but was a lot of fun. But Aquaman doesn't always know it's being silly. Yeah, a lot of a lot of the a lot of the fun from it is accidental, which is Whereas, embarrassing. Yeah. But as a viewer, it doesn't matter because you're having a good time. Whereas Shazam, Shazam knows is, it's being silly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, it's, it's intentionally so. Yeah, the the fun of Aquaman, the charm of Wonder Woman. The well, that's it, pretty much. In terms that's of DCU much, things, to yeah. draw. Oh, oh, definitely, definitely pull in from. Um, I think Mark Camo described it this way. He says it's it, it's if Big met the Chris Reeves Superman. Yeah, it's pretty like, much. That's perfect. Yeah, that's pretty a perfect much. description. Um, let us dive into spoilers. Oh yes, that is. I let us, can't wait. Let us get sucked into the rock of eternity and uh, spoilers from this point forward. Talk spoilers. Uh, oh Christ! Where to begin? Let's try. Let's try. Where let's try to be chronological, because good lord, I'll go all over the shop. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so John Glover, yes, please. <laughs> I I thought you'd like John I Glover. I fucking love John Glover, and the fact that he right. So he's 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 uh, Savannah Senior, as it were. Like he's he's um, Savannah's dad. He's the head of. Because in this, uh, Savannah has a, it's a company, it's a big Oscorp kind of thing, yeah. um, like a very LexCorp kind of thing. So he's the dad of the supervillain for the second time, because he was yeah. Lionel Luther in uh, Smallville. Smallville. So he's Lionel Luther, but he's also the head of a company and a bit of a coward, and he's got that haircut. So he's also Daniel Clamp from the greatest movie ever made, Gremlins 2, The New Batch. <laughs> to the point where I'm like, did they literally just go? Oh, he played that character and that character. Let's just put those two characters into one character yeah, and probably. put him in the film, and also add a wheelchair. Um, this is his third on-camera DC role as well, isn't it? Yes, because he uh, was um, Batman and Robin. Batman and Robin. He was uh, the Jason Woodrow, the Floronic Man. Um, but now you'll have. Oh yeah, but they didn't make it the Floronic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah. now you'll have to die. <laughs> um, and he's also the Riddler in the animated series. Yay! He's got four on of the bill. Of course. Yeah. Um, I love John Glover, love and it. and he that casting was genius because it wasn't just a nice bit of Balanti esque um, fan casting, but it was um, it was a smart choice because that boardroom you had to sell how frightening that was, 
Oh, uh, boy, do and they. And he sells how scary that is by being so, so terrified. Um, oh, it's very, very good. I'm familiar with the Seven Sins. Um, I'm not. In the comics. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of vaguely familiar. They, they, they are usually humanoid. Like, monstrous, but, you know, sort of depicted as, like, a smarmy-looking human character and stuff. Like, they, they, they've, they've taken different forms, but they're usually people. Um, hmm. with, with kind of, you know, maybe, like, you know, hulky-sized and things like that. And, and some, some of them get a bit more freaky, but I think the gargoyle um, thing worked so well for this. And and the, the, the not-so-subtle homage to Ghostbusters when they first hatch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Just the, the, the fingers cracking out of the stone was really, really cool. Um, I think it was Gluttony. The design of Gluttony was horrifying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, just with the big split mouth all the way down, yeah. all the way down his belly. Oh, good lord! And and I don't know what I don't know what the scrappy little bugger was again with the long tongue, but it was like, wow, that's a better venom than venom. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, uh, I think probably it wasn't. I don't think it was lust. I think lust was the tentacle one. Which, when you think about it, that's gross. Yeah. <laughs> Um, who knows? Uh, I'll be honest. When it when it was when it was scrapping with um, Mary Marvel, I was like, I've seen enough <laughs> hentai to know where this is going. Um, so yeah, yeah. Also, can we just appreciate that we've now got Mary Marvel in a movie? We got the family of them, and that in- freaking includes Mary Marvel and Captain Marvel Junior. Yep. <laughs> Although without his luscious locks from the New Fifty Two version, but still. Well, yeah. Um, what you gonna do? That was, I mean, they they looked aside from the long blonde hair not being there, they were straight off the damn page. Yep, like straight yep. off the page. It was so cool to see that, and and it was it was because the thing is, this film by the third act, I was like, I feel like a kid now. Like I'm I'm watching a superhero movie as a kid. Yeah, it's a kid's power fantasy. Yeah, as much as as much as like um, a lot of modern superhero <clears throat> films are like uh, late adolescent, early adult power fantasies this is a kids this is this is a kid this is a kids literally. superhero movie about it is kids. literally a, yeah. yeah it is literally a fantasy movie in which kids get superpowers and, and so that entire sort of moment and and switch i was like oh this is so beautifully told this is so well done and and so kick-ass to see um and also it's great because it's like you've got seven big monsters and an evil scientist with power well six big monsters at this point and an evil scientist with powers yeah. So um, you're not gonna be able to handle it yourself. Boom! Here's another five of you. Off you go, guys. Go get the job done. And um, it was. And DJ, DJ Katrona finally gets to be a superhero. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's not quite Superman, but almost. Well, it, it, basically, it's a better Superman yeah. at this point. I mean, well, yeah. That's, I that's true. I appreciated that. I thought that was cool. Um, and. <laughs> I just, yes. I just love the fact that obviously the childlike stuff informs them. I love the fact that we were getting Mortal Kombat and Street Fighter references in the middle yep. of the fights. Yeah. Um, who's the young sister? Is it uh, Dala? Dala, yeah. Just adult, fabulous. Adult Dala was bloody wonderful because you were like, <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a six-year-old. Yeah, <laughs> there yep. they are. Um, that is that character in a grown-up body. That is that. Yeah, that is who it is. That was so cool. I I I loved that sort of stuff. It was it was the, I think that was the thing that I loved the most about the film. It was it, the energy of the whole thing. It it, it had it had energy. Yeah. It, so that was good. Yeah, which is different from the other output so far. But, uh, but like it didn't it didn't shy away from. Yeah, this is ridiculous. It 
embraced it and 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 it, it told it told a you know very heartfelt very specific story and it did not shy away from some big emotions that you know stuff that kids go through and some stuff that adults go like oh shit yeah i can uh, yeah i felt like that as well i think it was a great advert for fostering oh god yeah absolutely um, um but also it it still it lent into its ridiculousness i mean for christ's sake the 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 whole monitor scene yeah where it's like a parent version of him they've just thrown an overcoat over him at the, at the business office <laughs> at the business office <laughs> oh god because he's got he's got that overcoat over his cape yeah and he's just got, he's got the ridiculously huge shoulders <laughs> Zachary Levi is so good in this. He's brilliant. He's so good. I think my favourite moment in the entire film, and it was down to uh, to uh, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer and Zachary Levi's delivery, and and the faces of the cashier and the two burglars in the balaclavas, was yeah. the whole like, well, I don't know if it's the suit, what, what if it's you? You should shoot him in the face. Yeah, shoot me in the face. Oh, what, wait, what? What? <laughs> Just, that whole scene was great. I did. I did an. I, mean, I did an ugly laugh in the cinema. You know, and you just can't yeah. stop it from coming out. It just bursts out of your body. Yeah, that so caught me off guard. I thought it was hilarious. There is. There are so many great gags in this, <laughs> and it does a. Re- it really balances the scary and the thrilling and the funny and the touching really well. Um, I think as well. I like love it. I, be- I love it. I, I, I don't like Man of Steel, but one thing I think it did really well was its depiction of the first time he flies. Um, yeah, but then I realised afterwards. Oh yeah, that's because it's taken straight out of Birthright. Yep. Um, and in the comic, it has that same energy in that sequence. And it's a joyous feeling. But in this, I don't know. I think I think that scene's been beaten for me in terms of first time flying scene. Because yeah. when that moment happened, it was just like, oh my god, thank god he's okay. And then you just kind of felt the joy of him sort of exploring it before he then flies over and, and there's like, you got to help. There's this dude after me. Yeah. And that was that was again smart call. Like he starts getting attacked, and what's the first thing a fourteen-year-old kid's going to do if he's getting beaten up? He's going to leg it. Oh, yeah. he's going to get out of there. Which is again something you not you don't see in a superhero movie. You don't see the big superhero, the big strong, massive-shouldered superhero pissing himself and trying to get out of the way. Like, it, it, oh god, and just everything around that. Like the fact that he just starts essentially busking. Yeah, at the top of the steps of the bloody town hall, just because it's from Rocky. So he, why not? He's singing "Eye of the Tiger" while zapping lightning into the sky. <laughs> you feel like if, <laughs> if the Wizard Shazam could see this, he'd be so upset. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Right, Shazam. Um, Shazam. What's his name? The, Jamon Honsu. I always I always pronounce his first name completely wrong. J- Jamon. I think it's Jamon, yeah. Jamon Honsu, because he, he was, um, he was, oh god, he was in another DC movie recently. He was the Fisher King in Aquaman. Fisher King in Aquaman, so it was mostly mocap for that one, wasn't it? Yeah. Thomas Capture. Yeah. Um, and he was Curse in uh, Thor nope. The Dark World, wasn't he? Nope. Scourge? He was. No, Cur- he, oh god. He is Korath in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh my god, that's Captain Digimon. Marvel. Oh, that's Digimon, okay. Because I was going to say, like, he always gets covered in stuff. No, he doesn't. He's in freaking Captain Marvel. You're right, absolutely. Oh, I know. I'm getting my DCs and Marvels crossed over. That's the guy who played Killer Croc. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. There yeah. we go. Uh, so, yeah, but again, this was a last minute casting, if I remember correctly. Someone else was to play Shazam. And then during Aquaman, they shot his stuff for Shazam. 
which makes me think that the trailer footage might be from the previous recording. Because, you know, in the trailer, yeah. the, bit, the bits where he's talking to Billy, he's like fully cloaked and covered, isn't he? he all yeah. you can see is the glowing lightning on his chest. Maybe. Uh, but in this, orange robe, stood up tall and proud, big beard, big hair. I'm curious now. I'm going to have to look Maybe. that one up. But he was wonderful because you got that frustration. Like, the, the, you know, the, weight of, the weight of everything he had to do in recruiting someone new, but at the same time, how kind of annoyed he was just getting that it was having to be this way. Yeah. It was wonderfully done. And, of course, led to a... Um, what do you call it? Led to a reveal of... Um, oh, God, what's this fierce? What's this fierce? Led, I don't led, know. Led, led to a reveal of Black Adam. Oh yes, like of Black Adam is a throwaway mention. It's not focused on, but he's the reason everything fell apart for for the the, the wizards and, and whatnot, all yeah. his brothers and sisters. Like he's the reason for that, um, which is again nice because it's that's how you that's how you build up your universe without making a thing of it. Well, yeah, you, you quite, sow those quite. seeds really subtly within. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? What else? What else? Right. So I'm, I'm going to skip ahead. So, skip ahead slightly because I saw it early on. So early in the film, when we first arrive in the, it's called the Rock of Eternity, isn't it? Yeah, Rock of Eternity. Yeah, when we first arrive in the Rock of Eternity, um, and young, uh, young, um, oh, shit, young Billy. No, not Billy. No, um, Savannah. Savannah. Young, that's it. Young, young Savannah, young Savannah's yeah. walking through it at the start. You briefly yep. go past a couple of artifacts and soft focus, but right in the foreground there's a big tank with a massive caterpillar in it. And I'm going, no. <laughs> See, no. I didn't know. I didn't know about this because I don't know fuck all about this character. Right, this... <laughs> so I had to look Ooh. it up. And when I looked it up, I was like, oh, fuck me sideways. Okay. Yeah, so I saw it and I was like, that's that's your Howard the Duck. Like They're, they're giving a little nod to the supervillain Mr. Mind. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. I'm I'm game for this because I'm I I'm aware of Mr. Mind more from animation. Like he, I, he he's popped up in like Brave and Bold and Justice League Action and and because of that I'm fascinated by the notion. And he is he is uh, he's a villain for several characters, but he's most recurring in Shazam stories. Yeah. So I was like, that's cool. There we go. Never fucking expected that he'd be your mid-credits tease for a future nope. for a future plot oh my god i bet you didn't so that little cameo at the beginning wasn't just a cameo it was it was your it was your, your gun like yep. and then they pulled the trigger in the mid-credits scene yeah um to reveal that mr mind and dr savannah are gonna cheer up uh, cheer up cheer each other up uh team up in the future the Monster League of Evil. The Monster League of Evil with freaking um, a mind-controlling, super-genius, space-criminal worm. Yep. Um, I wonder if they'll do Captain Nazi as well. Probably not. Uh, <laughs> probably not. Um, well, you never but, but they'll do a version of the character, and Billy will probably refer to him as Captain Nazi over here or something like yeah, that. Oh, yeah, that's quite good. That's that, and, I can see that. And then they'll take that off the list and be like, there you go, guys, we did it, but we didn't do it. Do it. So there we you did go. it. Are you happy now? You know how like are you ever going to be happy? Yeah, you know how like we sort of uh, forget that Hydra are also Nazis by the time they yeah. roll around again in yeah. the films. Yeah, well, we're going to move on. Um, so yeah, yeah. But I, I, 
I just, I had the balls on him, man. We're at that point now. Like the balls on him. Like forget Lex Luthor and Deathstroke meeting up after Justice League. Like, sod that. Sod that. You know, sod forget forget soldiers, um, Stephen Wass's face and Black Manta meeting and the Aquaman credits. No, 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 no. no. Oh, yeah, Although yeah. that's made that's made me realise that's three films in a row where the post credits is one villain being introduced to another villain slash antagonist with the plan to team up. They're going to try and do the Legion of Doom at some point. If they do a Legion... I'm not even shitting. If they do a Legion of Doom that contains both Deathstroke and Mr. Mind, I will shit myself with happiness. Because that's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. <laughs> like, that is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Like, the deadly yeah, assassin. Like, ridiculous. Tonally, no one's going to be able to make that work without it being bullshit. Like, it can't happen. Yeah, you can't have maybe. Deathstroke in a team and Mr. Mind in a team and find a perfect balance for it tonally. Like, yeah, uh, yeah, that's totally. that's the kind of thing that happens in a big DC crossover briefly, and it's acknowledged how weird this moment is, and everybody cheers because it goes, "Oh, that was funny," and then we move on. Yeah, you yeah. can't do a whole film with that, but I would, I, I will. Well, I mean, you can. You probably, you might, I don't know if you should. <clears throat> yeah, okay, it's true. You can. Um, Mark Strong is great in this. Surprising no one, of course, but it, it's again that thing of it, this is his third comic book movie villain. And specifically yeah. his second DC, like, stab at a DC character. And they let him yeah. they let him be a baddie. And he is great in this. Very good baddie. And it, it's his lack of shits given to the death and destruction around him. Because oh, yeah. he's so yeah, yeah. single-minded in just proving his father wrong. Proving his brother wrong. And then getting on with becoming more and more powerful. Because he, he feels like he's deserved it his whole life. And never yeah. got it. Um... Because the idea that he, it, it sort of revealed that through dialogue, he's not in charge of that institute that's doing the research into the you know shared hallucination no, stuff. No, no, but he, the but he's like one of their top people. Yeah. Um, and so it's like he's been using this situation the entire time to do this. Now the the uh, the doctor who's in charge of it who gets disintegrated by the door is <gasps> Doctor Loston, who is David F. Sandberg's wife. Oh my god! When that um, happens, po- yeah, she popped up in his in his shorts that he did before he started doing. Like feature films, and she's been like, in all these like, films, like the well. the original Lights Out and stuff. Yeah, 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 that kind of stuff. Um, when she disintegrated, I that, that was fucking horrible. That was the moment. I was like, oh, yeah, that was the moment. I was like, oh, it's one of these movies. Okay. It's that it's that moment that made me think of Raiders of the Lost Ark in terms of tone. Yeah. Oh, good luck. Which cause um, it, was, it was that whole just sort of like dissolving from the face inwards. Yeah, like burning it like, up. Oh. It, it was like she burnt up from inside. Yeah, and his his Basically. his almost lack of shits given as it happened was like, okay, we've this oh. this is going to be interesting. <laughs> it's going to be interesting yeah. to see his path. Um, that stuff was so freaking cool. It was pretty good. All of the gore stuff it involved, all of the good. all of the creepy visuals, um, the use of envy at the end. That was brilliant. Yeah, that yeah. was so good, and that was the bit because the thing is. You know, I, I saw some people on Twitter afterwards, like comic fans, going like, "Oh right, well you know, you might have had the speed of um, what do you call it, Achilles, speed of Mercury, speed of Mercury, and the you know the the might of Zeus and all that shit." But he didn't have the wisdom of Solomon. It's like, yeah, well, he's a fourteen-year-old kid. The film wanted to focus on that a bit more, but they definitely used it at least once, and it was that bit at the end. He gets there. He gets there. The like end. that bit at the end where he's just like, right. So I'm guessing that guy was that, and this other thing which leaves envy. And I mean, that was beautifully done. Yeah, it was such a great like use of the villain's own sort of hubris and confidence against him. Um, 
which is fantastic. Savannah obviously is just like, yeah, no, I've got this. Like, I've got this. It's like, yeah. mm, well, you don't, because like, all I've got to do is piss it. all I've got it's to do fine. is lure that one out of you, and you're screwed, mate. So that was pretty good. Beautifully, it done. was. It's just a very smartly done everything, really. Every everybody. Um, the subplot with his mum <clears throat> is oh so well done, so good, and and, and, and I, frighteningly sort of truthful and uncomfortable, and something that a lot of people you see it coming as well. You see it coming. So long before he does. Yeah, when the police, when the police yeah. officer, she's like, "Look, I, I, I'm cutting this short now. Like, you need to stop putting in effort for someone who clearly didn't want to put that effort in for you." Yeah, yeah. And you're like, "Oh God, that's yeah." She's got a point. Like, why wouldn't his mum like, come looking for him unless she, of course, just took the chance to move on? It's like you realize that that Billy is going to accept his new family before Billy does, because it, you can just see that. He's already most of the way there. Yeah. Until until and it's it's only when he when he finds his actual mum, it's actually not that much of a decision yeah. for him because he's he's mostly already there. It's it's the sign off. Like it's it's yeah. it's the last sign he needs to be like you like you need to your life is more important than this life you think you have. Yeah. Like focus focus on you, focus on your new friends and family, and just you know move on from from this that journey because he. I don't think at any point he knows or even considers the notion that she abandoned him. I think he's held on to the notion no, that, that no, no, the no. circumstances separated them, but and that's the only thing stopping him. But like in somewhere in his heart of heart, he knows that this is pointless and he needs that yeah. that moment to happen. Um, Asher Angel plays that scene so well, yeah, and the yeah. actress who plays his mum plays it so well, yeah. Um, and, uh, very, very good. Director David Sandberg was the voice of uh, her uh, shitty boyfriend as well. That, that was his cameo in the film. Uh, uh, and also the voice of... Mr. Mind? Yes. Really? Yes. Oh my God. Well he's, he's, <laughs> well, he's just bagged himself an extra paycheck if they get a sequel. I know, right? Congratulations, David. <laughs> he's not daft. <laughs> um, um, this This is a fun film that looks like everyone had a blast making it. Everyone's gonna have a blast watching it, mm. and it's just—it's just such a breath of fresh air. <clears throat> It—it's wonderful. I, I love it so much. Uh, um, how, we, how was your screen? Because mine was sort of relatively busy. It was a three D showing, so not busy as busy as the two Ds. Uh, but... Mine was a two D on a Saturday afternoon, and it was pretty full. Yeah. I've got to say, I don't seek out 3D releases so much nowadays, but like, I I would recommend if you can see this in 3D to see it in 3D, especially the third act. The third act stuff looks glorious. Like, it it really kind of takes advantage of the medium and 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 makes it visually gorgeous to see. Interesting, Um, especially you know, especially just the fight between the family and and the. Well, yeah, we've got to talk about like that. The final set piece in the carnival is just really inventive. (laughs) Yeah. Oh. like incredible the way that the 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 the, uh, the different members of the family use their different strengths um, to sort of save people and fight off the sins, uh, it, um, and just this, <laughs> just the idea of the 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 Ferris wheel as a centerpiece as a ticking clock is is very cool. Yeah. The um, the sort of disincorporation of the of the sins, the way they just sort of evaporate out of your way. Yeah. Um, the Santa. 
the mall Santa. Oh, he was is wonderful. Great fun. Yeah. Um, the, uh, the 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 very real scary moment when Savannah is just like straight up drowning Billy. Yeah. He's drowning a fourteen-year-old child because, as far as he's concerned, yeah. it's the easiest way to kill him and possibly take his power. And you're like, oh, this is happening right now. This is the yeah. thing that's happening in a movie. He- there's your raiders, like they say, the like Temple of Doom sort of stuff. Like, yeah, short round is screwed. Like, this is actually Absolutely. happening. Um, that I mean, you the the the, the callback to the suitcase wedgie. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's nicely done. And the tiger, yeah. like the sort of the fight, that was kind of like his final moment of closure, wasn't it? Yeah, it was like using a tiger to let a, ch- a child at the fair know that everything is going to be all right. Everything's gonna be alright. Thematically, this was wonderful. <laughs> this was oh, really, really yeah. good. Really good. Um, oh really, God, really the, good. Just the, 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 the gags based around the tropes, like, yeah. um, like the, uh, the the Savannah monologuing after the the chase, oh. and then it just cuts to <laughs> cuts to Shazam. Like, what? Like, what? Are you, are you speaking? Because they're like a mile apart. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's just that it's stuff gleeful. Is so good. It's gleeful, and <laughs> what's not to love about that? What's not to love about a movie that attacks its um, its ideas with such joy, straight up, and brings the straight up big homage. Yeah, in the toy store. Yeah, that just I again mean... subverted for fun. Just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm smiling just thinking about it. I cannot wait. To uh, to show this film to some of the kids in my life, yeah. Um, oh god, yeah. I I because I think they're gonna love it. I saw it quite a late screening. I'd love to see it at like a, a weekend matinee because I just yeah. I want to hear that response from a younger audience. And it's it was so like it's like say it's joyous and yeah and um, absolutely. So uh, going back to a few things we've talked about in the podcast before, yeah. Um, during the the filming of the movie and the aftermath of the film of the movie post production period, uh, Henry Cavill in the movie. No, he's not. No, but Soups is. But yeah, and I think I think actually it being Cavill in that moment would have taken away from the film itself. It would have made a very cool, fun gag. Yeah, but it would have taken away from the film a little bit in the same way yeah, that in yeah. the same way that um, Colin Farrell turning into Johnny Depp at the end of Fantastic Beasts sort of takes you out of the movie for a moment. Just like Just keep it as Colin what? Farrell. Yeah, well, yeah, that, but but you know what I mean. Like, it sort of takes you out of the movie because you're like, yeah. oh, random star, or, or in Alita, like, oh, there's Ed Norton. What? Yeah. Like, I think yeah. if Cavalier showed up at the end, it would have been like, oh, he gets the last sort of button in the film that doesn't quite work. But just the torso and the subtle John Williams theme sells the gag beautifully, and it means that the final focus is on Freddy and Shazam's faces. So Which, you know, definitely the heart, like the relationship between Freddy and Billy is. Yeah, absolutely the heart of the film, and it's so well okay. Done. I, it's me. I look. I, I I did steal your bullet. I'm sorry. I oh oh god! It just like drops into the tray. Stupid adult hand. Like stupid adult. And there goes his six hundred dollar um, eBay item. Yeah. <laughs> also, the strip club gags. <gasps> Both of them. Oh my god! Both of the strip club gags. So wonderfully done. Just the kids' different reactions to him. <laughs> Um, Pedro's just like, yeah, it's not my thing. I'm still feeling bad for Ray. I'm still feeling bad for Ray Fisher. Oh, that was fun. Um, I'm still feeling bad for Ray Fisher. Yeah. Because in the end credits, you get all this wonderful, like... The end credits, I, th- I can't remember what the song was, but the song and the style 
It's um, a gorgeous bit of animation, isn't it? I felt like we were in. I thought like I was watching Spider Man Homecoming again. It was a very similar style as the. Yeah. To yeah, the end yeah. of Spider Man Homecoming. I think this and that movie have a lot in common, but I think Shazam just has more heart. Shazam's, Shazam's a better film. I'd, yeah, I'd say. hands down. Hands down. Because um, it, 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 it very much exists on its own within the bigger world, whereas Spidey yeah. Homecoming relies on the. the, the for, it relies the, on the wider universe. The through line relationship from Civil War. For, for the yeah. character's motivation um, not to say it's a bad film it's definitely a great film but Shazam's a better movie if, if you were saying to me which one do you want to watch right now I'd be like Shazam Shazam um, hands down so but but like but Ray Fisher ignored in the credits there's no no yep. cyborg reference in the credits nope um, oh. you know why because cyborg sucks <laughs> I like Ray Fisher. Yeah. Cyborg sucks. <laughs> but he says the booyah. Um, but he sucks. Unless you're watching a Teen Titans animated series, he sucks. Can we also talk about how the post credits gag now no. works differently? <laughs> right. Good night, everybody. Uh, works differently in a world post the release of Aquaman. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that was probably in the movie. Oh, it was definitely there. Oh, oh yeah, it was probably in the film itself, but it it's very much yeah. a because um, Aquaman has to be have been around long enough for um, Freddie to have a T-shirt of his insignia. Yeah, of course. But like, it's 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 very much a um, what do you call it? A, a sort of a pre in a world pre Aquaman coming out. Yeah, that would have been oh yeah, stupid. He talks to fish in a post Aquaman world. Yeah, the gag is oh Shazam's stupid for thinking that's stupid. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like the, the context yeah. of that joke is different because of the cinematic climate we're in now, but it still yeah. works as a joke. Like it was obviously written with the intent of being the first one, and now it's it's you know it works the other way too. Um, I want to see totally. Totally. I want to see these characters again. Yeah. But similarly, if we never got another one for whatever reason, I would also be happy because this is such a beautiful beginning, middle, end, closed story that is that works so well on its own. But we're definitely getting Savannah, Mister Mind, um, and and Billy again in some context for definite. Like this, it, this movie's gonna do very, very well. I I I wouldn't be surprised if we got a new Justice League down the line. That comprised of, at the well, very least, Wonder Woman, Shazam, and Aquaman from the current here's, lineup. Here's the thing: Shazam only cost eighty million dollars to make. Yeah, that's fucking nothing for one of these. Yeah, and, it, it's, and it's, it's going to break I, so much above that. It's going to. I think. I think its first domestic weekend is going to be is was about around fifty million. I'll check the. Uh, I'll check the old Twitter moments because it was brought up today. But yeah, it's um, it, it's done well because it's great. Here it is. Someone's, I mean, when you make great films, they tend to do well. Not always, yeah, he, but they tend to. Domestically, in its opening weekend, took home $53 million and internationally, 102 Boom. So That's his budget, like, twice over. Yeah. So Shazam is a goddamn success, and if they're sensible, they'll make another, but they'll let the team take their time to do it, to do what they want to do, and, and yeah. do it right. Because that's the really impressive thing, is that's next to no money for a film like this. Yeah. But it doesn't look cheap. Oh God, no! Yeah, it it saved its money because a lot of its set pieces and scenes are very much character driven, conversational stuff within envi- like home environments, school environments. Yeah. Like, and then it saved it because the, the 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 Rock of Eternity feels like very much like it's a physical set. 
So yeah, yeah, you know, absolutely. You, you, once you've paid for it, built it, and you've had it for like up for five weeks filming and in and around it, you've done it. Like you, you don't need to go back and spend months yeah, exactly. on it making it look like something else. And so it's they've spent that money really wise. And I won't be surprised again if it was because the character is unproven in a in a wide market. Um, yeah. Uh, uh, you know, the last time Captain Marvel slash Shazam was a, a huge thing, we're talking the forties. So yeah, it, it, it's but it's it's the... a it, it it would be a risk to spend Wonder Woman money on it, and I imagine, I, imagine the... I imagine everyone's fee would have been, you know, obviously a decent fee. They're making a movie, but it wouldn't be anywhere near so like the other DC movies. Now that's going to change for the sequel. <laughs> like, for well, the sure. thing is, when you when you look at the concept, like how. The, you sh- it should be piece of piss to market this film to kids. Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Like so. Hey, kid. They've you got ever, a money maker. You ever wanted on to be hands, a superhero? Not... Well, here's yeah, a kid like you. Exactly. A and the way the way that the ending turns that around with him sharing his power with his family mm. is like, oh, actually, no, it, it doesn't just belong to the one person. He can share it. That's that's some compelling shit right there. It, you know what I mean? It's, I mean, it's for, a it's kid, why, for kids. It's why Into the Spider Verse was so successful. Well, yeah. The whole message exactly. of anyone can be this. It's about being the best version you can be. So, damn. Damn. Be the best you, you can be, Chris. You, you buggers. Oh, mince. That's what they say, right? Yes, that's what they say. It's definitely what they um, say. Just be the best you, you can be. Oh, mince. Oh, mince. <laughs> oh, mince. <laughs> I think that's a good note to end it on, would you reckon? Oh, mince. I, I agree. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to let us know what you thought about Shazam, we'd love to chat with you about it. Hit us up on the Twitter at BigDamnCast. Um, if you want to send us a Shazam email, that's fine. BigDamnContact at gmail.com. And any email, of course, for that matter. But a just, email. just know we're probably not going to read them for at least two weeks. Because next week is a pre-recorded special. Um, Christopher's doing a show, the bastard. I'm, I'm following a yellow brick road, um, but uh, we will be we will be reviewing. I will be reviewing Hellboy next weekend on the um, on the ch- on the channel on on the YouTube channel. But we're not going to get into it on a podcast until Chris gets back. Yeah. So. Well, um, I think I think if I if I remember correctly, we can record Easter Sunday if you're free. Oh yeah, we've got that. So so we can yeah, yeah. we can do a Hellboy spoiler spoiler dive. Um, that weekend for the Friday 26th release, which of yes, course is yes, the yes, release of, of uh, Avengers Endgame, which we'll do a big old episode on the week after, folks. But next week, without giving too much away, uh, we're following up an old email uh, about um, sort of abandoned projects with a guest and alcohol. So... <laughs> it gets... It goes places. It goes places and has a banging third act. So... Um, Join us next week, won't you, for more filth and feculence. Please do. Uh, hit us up on the old Twitter, like we say. If you want to chat Shazam, we'll chinwag along with your Big Damn cast. And check feculence. out twitch.tv slash Big Damn Stream for adventures in backlogging. What's <clears> next <throat> on the menu for that, sir? Um, I'm still chugging through Resident Evil because last episode I spent nearly an hour going around in circles. <laughs> Sounds like Resident <laughs> Evil, all right? <laughs> but uh, I've finally made some progress and I'm near it. I don't. I think the game will be done this week. If not on Tuesday, if not, well, by the time you hear this, the game might be done. So yeah, it might be. Just get on there. But I also have started listing up what's coming up next on the events page on Twitch. So just pop over to the Twitch. Channel oh, beautiful! There and, we uh, go. Have a look at the events. See what's coming up next. But until then, 
Sh- Until then. Shazam! Shazam! D- d- did it work? No. Oh. I'm still me. Oh. But you could argue I've always had the body of a demigod. Maui. <laughs> Buddha. Santa. <laughs> Santa's not a demigod, he's a spirit, alright? He's a Christmas spirit. No, 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 that's Avatar, sorry. That. Yeah, you don't want to go down that road. You don't want to go down that road. Christ, I guess. Whoa, no.